Peter was to use this later to strengthen his brethren. In the passage where Paul the apostle spoke of godly sorrow that worketh repentance, he talks about the man who was taken in sin in the Corinthian church. And whenever he displayed genuine repentance, godly sorrow, it worked a new conviction and a new strength within his life. And you read in 2 Corinthians 7, 11, Behold this same thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and it is always a joy to bring the message of the gospel. We're also looking at our Do Not Miss the Cross series, Faith in the Cross. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We have a hymn today on Beyond Comprehension. That's the death of Christ upon the cross. It staggers the mind. It is beyond our little understanding that God should send his Son to suffer on that cruel tree that he might save sinners like you and me. We have our message today, A Better Peter, how he came through temptation. The Lord said that he had prayed for him, that his faith feel not. And you remember that night before the night of the Savior's arrest, how Peter followed afar off, and were told in Luke 22, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him. There was the first great denial of Peter denying the Lord Jesus as Savior. And we know how he was so quickly reduced to tears. But in mercy, the Lord restored him to service. So stay tuned as we go to the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church to let the Bible speak. We do not just have a limited number of Christians who will find the hellish assaults of the devil, but this is something that every Christian is to take to heart and that we are to resist in the faith, with the gospel, with the truths of our Lord Jesus. Now, Peter was wheat, not chaff. If Peter had been chaff, he'd been left alone. But because he's wheat, he is being sifted. Satan entered Judas, but Satan assaulted Peter. And so we should take these things to heart. Now, the other thing I note here is that Satan attacked Peter at the very point that Peter would have called his strength. The thing that he was known for, bombastic, boasting, courageous. If there's one who will step out of the boat and walk on water where the others don't even dare, it's Peter. He's the brash one. And it is at that point of his seeming strength that Satan attacks him. And on that night of our Lord's arrest and trial, 
when he is quizzed firstly by a little maid, art thou one of them? He denies his Lord. The courageous Peter, and his courage is gone, and he is brought down to the point of terrible weakness. And that's why in 1 Peter, especially chapter 5, you will see how Peter learned to walk in humility, to not be boasting, to not be a presuming of our own strength. And he talks in that passage about the Christian exercising diligence. Diligence. Are you doing that tonight? Are you watching against the assaults of the wicked one? Do you allow him to whisper in your heart to bring you to despair? Do you allow the devil to rob you of the promises and of all the grace of God in your soul? You are to exercise great diligence. And so we see here from Peter what makes us humble, what makes us careful and more prayerful and reliant on the Lord works for our good. All things work together for good. And what the Lord allows in our lives, we have to say, thank you, Lord, that you're not giving up. I'm wheat that's being sifted, and you're carrying me along through this. That brings me now to Peter. What could Peter, what could he say to strengthen his brethren? Say to them, Peter, I, the Lord promised that he would strengthen me. I have prayed for thee, and he would sustain our faith. Now, this brings us to what we've been learning in Hebrews of our great high priest at the right hand of God, his continual intercession. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is able to save to the uttermost endlessly. There is no situation where the Lord abandons and leaves his own people. And so the Lord is actively interceding. What a wonder! Every hour and every situation, our shepherd, our Savior, in his omniscience, his all-knowing, he prays for us, lest we be destroyed by the wicked one. Now, let's take a look at Peter's faith. The Lord said, I have prayed for thy faith, that thy faith feel not. Now, very quickly, in verse 33, you'll see here that Peter professed. He said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And there you will see his bold profession. Oh, here's a man of faith. He believes in the Lord. He's going to stand with the Lord. He's going to be true to the Lord. And then uh, you will find in verse 60 that he is petulant, absolutely petulant. And he is going to do the very thing that is dastardly. Oh, he is swaying. And he talks about the use of the sword in another place. And then in verse 54, you will see that he's persistent. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. Now, very often we preach that's the beginning of his downfall, following afar off. 
but it really was his persistence also. Where were the other disciples? Uh, We read that they were scattered. They were scaredy cowards. They fled at this time. Now, John, who seemed to have some access to the court, uh, he comes back in and part of this scene later. But at this point, Peter is alone, warming himself at the fire with the soldiers and with others, and he is seeking to be true to the Lord, seeking to persist in how he may somehow witness and be a testimony for him. But then, of course, it becomes very pitiful when you read verse 55 to 61, when he is quizzed by that certain maid, we're told in verse 56, just a certain maid. His faith at this point is pitiful. And he denies the Lord once. That's tragic. He denies the Lord twice. That's very disappointing. He denies the Lord three times. That's pitiful. You wonder, is there any hope for Peter in this state of pitiful faith? But then we rejoice when we come to verse 62, because Peter's faith is proven when he went out and wept bitterly, bitterly. Here is godly sorrow at work. When the Christian the believer in the Lord sins, grieves the Lord, denies the Lord. It's like an arrow that shoots into the heart, and it twists in agony until the matter is repented of. That is godly sorrow. And here in Peter's bitter, hot tears flowing, we see his godly sorrow. Peter was to use this later to strengthen his brethren. In the passage where Paul the apostle spoke of godly sorrow that worketh repentance, he talks about the man who was taken in sin in the Corinthian church. And whenever he displayed genuine repentance, godly sorrow, it worked a new conviction and a new strength within his life. And you read in 2 Corinthians 7, 11, Behold this same thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, what revenge in all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. That's Peter. That's just like Peter. Godly sorrow that worketh repentance that is not to be repented of. It works new conviction. It works new zeal. It works new purpose. And we know, of course, that Peter went on to a ministry where he was able to take this experience and use it in a wonderful way. And it worked grace within his heart. Now, it is repentance that works this. And in Ephesians 4.30, we talks about grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. We are exhorted not to grieve him. But now I want to move, before we close tonight, to Peter's restoration. 
because he was restored, converted, it says here in verse 32, which means restoration, means when he's returned to his position and office as an apostle, when thou art converted. And I checked the word very thoroughly. It is used repeatedly in the New Testament for turn or return. For example, Matthew 9, 22, but Jesus turned him about and when he saw her. And so it means to be turned. That's what repentance is. When thou art converted, when you are turned from this lack of courage, this denial of the Lord, and when you hate that, when you grieve over that, when you decide, I'll never put myself in that position again, I will seek to be strong for the Lord. When you're turned, then strengthen thy brethren. Isn't it wonderful, too, that when the Lord was raised from the dead, and he told the women to call the disciples to meet me in Galilee and tell them I will be there. Speak to the disciples and Peter and Peter. The Lord Jesus had a special word for Peter. He knew the hurts. He knew the depths of the sorrow that he had gone through. He knew the sense of failure that was without some support likely to break him. And so the Lord in his tenderness had a purpose for Peter and Peter. And then when we get to the last chapter of John's Gospel 21, you have that restoration where the Lord said to Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. But in doing so, he said to him three times, lovest thou me, lovest thou me, lovest thou me. Three times, and then the Lord reinstated Peter, restored him to the office of shepherd, pastor, apostle. And isn't it absolutely amazing that in Acts 2, it's Peter preaching the first apostolic sermon when 3,000 are converted. I'm sure the other apostles listening to that sermon were stirred in how to preach, how to bring the name of Jesus and the claims of the gospel to the hearts of guilty men and women and tell them there's mercy with the Savior. Peter himself had been dealt with in great mercy, and therefore he was a tremendous strength to those that heard him preach on that day after Pentecost. In the book of Acts, we see him going on with John into the temple. We see him working with the disciples. And then later in jail for Christ, we see him released by the angel. And he is standing at John Mark's door knocking while the prayer meeting's going on. And when Rhoda comes to the door, she doesn't believe it. She's praying for Peter's release, but she doesn't believe it. What strength Peter brought to the people of God in those hours. We know also that Peter endured right to the end of life as a very faithful apostle and preacher. The Lord Jesus predicted in John 21 how he would die, that he would die a violent death, 
and in his death he would glorify God. There can be no better testimony for a Christian or a man of God than that he glorifies God at the point of death, at the end of life's journey. Peter now becomes a great strength to us all. And if we think that through some sin, some denial, some hour of weakness, when we lost our courage and we grieved the Lord, that there's no hope for us. There's no room for us ever again in God's work. Peter cans the lie. His whole life is a wonderful testimony of the goodness, the grace, the recovery, the restoration of the Lord to the hearts of his people. I want you to take this to heart tonight, and I don't want anyone to go home from this meeting beaten down by guilt, sensing that you're so little, so small, so useless, so weak, that God can never use you nor bless you. I want you to know that where there is repentance, restoration, there is usefulness and service to God. And you can begin tonight a new chapter. Maybe you've wasted many years. Maybe you've sensed defeated defeat in so many ways. Well, tonight I want you to be a Peter. This church could do with Peters, with testimonies. I am the one that failed the Lord. I am the one that denied him so terribly. But I've gotten over that. The Lord has been gracious to me. And my life is now a testimony that Jesus lives. And this gospel is indeed the power of God unto salvation. So let Peter strengthen you. Let his whole testimony, his whole witness, be a great strength to you. Men may scale the highest mountain And descend the deepest sea But no one could ever measure God's great love at Calvary Love of Christ so pure and tender Love so merciful and free Far beyond all comprehension the love of Christ for me. Some may try to live without Him, and his beauty never see. I shall ever sing his praises for the love he gave to me. 
love of Christ so pure and tender, love so merciful and free. listening to Let the Bible Speak, and we come to again to this message on missing the cross. We miss the cross if we fail to look unto Jesus in his death as our own personal Savior and trust in him. We must trust in the death of Jesus as the healing power for the sin sickness of our souls. In John 3.14, the Lord Jesus said that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This reference to Moses lifting up the serpent goes away back to the days of the Israelites in the desert. Life in the desert was fraught with danger with death constantly lurking in the rocks, the survival of over a million Israelites with Moses for 40 years was an hour-by-hour miracle. Only by God's constant restraint on snakes and scorpions could Moses and his people survive wilderness life. Death was held back by God's grace. Some would call this common grace, restraining the effects of the evil in the world. We ought not to be too surprised that the people were much discouraged because of the way. Then their rebellion burst forth. We read of this in Numbers 21, verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. The people had had it. They grumbled and murmured against Moses and against their God. Though they were a covenant people, and though they were free from the tyranny of Egypt, free from the whip, the brick-making and gathering of straw under the brutal Egyptian regime, which for generations had treated them like throwaways, like the untouchables, or like the deletes within Egypt. Now they are in his horrible wilderness, and their flesh cried out in revolt against God and against their leader Moses. But when the people murmured and sinned, as recorded in Numbers 21, their safety was in jeopardy. God withdrew his protecting hand. In judgment, God released from the rocks around them the wrath of the fiery serpents. Those snakes were rattled with rage and flew at the people. Instantly, those bitten by serpents were filled with a poisonous fire and died on the spot. Then it was confession time. 
We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, Moses. Moses, pray for us, they cried, seeking mercy. Pray the Lord will take away these serpents and deliver us from death. Moses, pray, we're dying. Moses was their mediator. He did pray, and God instructed them to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole. Hold it high, and whosoever gazes upon the serpent on the pole will be healed from their snake bites. They will live. And we read of that in Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9, and they did live. That was the remedy which God provided. It was salvation by a look at this brass serpent on a pole. What a story! And the story became history. It would never be forgotten and was talked about all that generation that lived in the wilderness and by every generation to follow. That history of healing by a look to a pole with a serpent became legendary in Jewish tradition or culture. The one ignorant of this history was a stranger to all things Jewish. So when the Lord was speaking with Nicodemus, a Jewish teacher, as recorded in John 3, the mention of this healing by looking to a brass serpent was like running a video in the mind of Nicodemus. The history was as clear as day. Now comes the punchline in the New Testament gospel of Christ. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that, in order that, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The lifting up of the Son of Man on a cross where the Lord Jesus died on a Roman gibbet, that was the sight which God would use to save his people, and all who look to him by faith have eternal life. Such was the force of this analogy, and the link-up between the Israelites saved by looking to a snake on a pole, and the gospel offer of life for a look at the body of Jesus on the cross, that it shone clear light on how a sinner can be saved. Christ on the cross and the work of his death for sinners is the gospel. We preach, therefore, Christ crucified as good news for sinners. And this is the good news today. You can be saved by a look, by faith, by simply trusting in what the Lord Jesus accomplished at the cross of Calvary to take away your sins. For what he did there is the power of God and the wisdom of God. I invite you to trust, believe, look by faith, put your confidence in the accomplishments of the Savior in his death at Calvary, and you too will be saved. And then you will not. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.